Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Musai Collective. I'm your host, Lindsay Cabrera. And before we get into things, I want to ask you if you've done something creative yet this week for yourself. What would it be if you could do it right this moment? Be sure to carve out the time and embrace your inner creative Musai. Today, you'll be meeting Camille the Creatrix, who is the founder of fashion boutique Top Collective over in Toronto, Canada. Today, we discuss her origin story, the pop-up shop movement in Toronto's underground scene, e-commerce, and much more. This Creatrix Musai is a designer to watch, and you can follow her on Instagram at Camille underscore the underscore Creatrix underscore, and also at Top Collective. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here's Camille the Creatrix on Musai Collective. Hello, Camille. Welcome to Musai Collective Podcast. How are you doing over there today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. It's such a pleasure to be here and talk with you today. I know. So for everyone listening, Camille and I actually met through the music festival scene in Toronto because she always was vending on site with her pop-up boutique called Top Collective, in which you created all of the pieces being sold, everything from custom design hats, jackets, funky sunglasses, and so many items. And over the time, we really just vibed and kept seeing each other. And you know, you're just someone I always like admire and love. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of your creations and all the cool things you're doing. And I've continued obviously to follow you throughout this like last year. And I think we ran into each other a couple of times, like on the boardwalk, you know, <laughs> you had your music playing and like, who's that? And it was like, oh, of course it's Camille. <laughs> Amazing. But first I'd like to start off by having you share your origin story with us. How did you first get into the fashion industry and when did you decide to really take this on as a full-time gig? So fashion for me, I actually grew up in a household of all girls. So I have three sisters and I think that environment, there was a lot of hand-me-downs and I was always kind of waiting with two older sisters waiting for the hand-me-downs to trickle their way down to me. And I was always imagining, oh, if I had the choice of what I would want to buy or what I would want to wear, what would I wear? And I started kind of like as a kid escaping into like my fantasy of sketching out the outfits that I would wear, the um, kind of look or the aesthetic that I would go for if I had the choice. So also naturally, as soon as I was old enough to like start making some money part time, I started buying my own clothes and uh, (laughs) I never stopped since then. Just always wanting to kind of curate my own aesthetic, which has kind of been my natural inclination all along. And then originally, actually, as a teenager, all I wanted to do when I grew up was uh, have a boutique. And I decided to go to George Brown for a fashion management program there. And that's where I learned how to sew a little bit and design in all areas of fashion business. But this is quite a while ago now. (laughs) During the time, like it was 2008 while I was in school, the economy crashed and it kind of made me think like, "Mm, maybe I don't want to have a physical store. Like it doesn't seem like a, a, a great idea. So I went back to school, did like marketing and more business management stuff and dove into working with different designers and different retail brands, which is where like I got a lot more experience 
experience with getting creative and learning how to make jewelry. So I worked for a couple different small jewelry businesses designing for them and worked for retail brands like Guess, (laughs) Marciano and like Lululemon. And that's when I was like really trying to understand the fashion industry as a whole. And as much as I loved fashion, I just also felt like it wasn't a hundred percent for me, like the mainstream side of it. Uh, So I got more creative with other industries like food prop styling. So I worked my way into commercial food prop styling for a little bit and then had this radical idea of moving to Italy to do a master's in industrial and graphic design. And while I was there, I slipped into like the underground electronic scene and techno scene there and met a lot of really cool Italian creative friends. And that's where Top Collective was born. So it was actually some close friends of mine that asked me if I, because they'd seen me kind of dress up and go to these parties and craft things. And they were watching me online. And they asked me if I wanted to do a summer long pop-up shop at this outdoor Tuscan nightclub called Teeny Soundgarden. Every Saturday fire summer, I vended outside of my then boyfriend's bright pink, 1977 Volkswagen uh, camper van. (laughs) That's where it all began. So each week I would go to the market in Florence and pick up materials off of this market called in Cascine Park. It, It was like a Tuesday market and I would pick up whatever jewelry supplies and stuff I could get whip up a bunch of fun accessories, lots of like funny sunglasses and Larable necklaces and any kind of fun kind of ravey plur vibe accessory (laughs) (laughs) and started doing the pop-up shop thing. And at the time I didn't even know that that could be a thing. Um, It was all thanks to my friends giving me that opportunity. And that's where Top Collective kind of all got going. (laughs) That's so cool. I love it because it was super organic, the way it kind of came into your life and also just the way that the underground scene also found you too. So (laughs) I think it was bound to happen for you. (laughs) Yeah, started in uh, Italy first, right? Yeah, yeah. I moved back to Toronto, I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, how am I ever going to replicate those opportunities, right? And then that's when I switched on the the, the goal setting and the manifestation work. There you go. The list of the events that I wanted to vend at without knowing anyone. Yeah. And slowly but surely met the right people and then started doing the same thing in Toronto. So exactly. I think, you know, you've really been a staple in the pop-up shop movement in Toronto's underground scene over the years, which also includes some go-go dancing in there. (laughs) But can you share with our listeners a little bit more about what exactly this underground culture looks like and the feeling of community which surrounds it? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, living in Toronto, I think I couldn't ask for a better underground scene, especially in Canada. It's an amazing place to be to connect with the creative scene and music lovers alike. So for me, what I did, I moved back in the dead of winter. This was like 2016. 
it was like end of Jan or Jan end of January. And I was like, all right, I knew I wanted to, I wrote on my piece of paper, this list was festival electric Island and promised cherry beach parties. And I'm like, I don't know anyone yet, but I hope to manifest vending at these places by the time summer came around. And at the time I would go out to the secret society nights on Wednesdays at Pacific Junction Hotel and the architectures nights at round on Thursdays. And that's when I started to mingle with people who are organizing events and promoters and DJs and producers. At the time, I was also working with analog techno label called Tip Top Audio. And they're like a team half in Italy, half in Germany and California as well. And they manufacture modular synthesizers and Eurorec format equipment. And at the time, I was doing PR and and, um, helping with bookings with artists. So I was also talking to a lot of DJs and producers because of that, which led me to meeting even more promoters and people who are throwing awesome underground events. And it was through that, through mingling, and then later working door, volunteering to help people with their events, finding out about other underground organizations and seeing how they all really overlap. There's, I think the underlying theme is definitely the music lovers and the people who love to dance and creatively express themselves through music. So there is a lot of mix. I see a lot of overlap, but I think we're going to get into more of that further. (laughs) (laughs) So not only is this underground scene within the music side of things, but there's also the circus slash Burning Man culture, which is also present, which you just mentioned kind of, there's more depth to all of this. So how have these two subcultures really shaped and influenced your creativity and collaborations over the years as a creative designer? It's funny because I've not actually been to Burning Man yet. But yeah, there have I, <laughs> but I do feel connected to this like culture. Yeah, <laughs> adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I've been surrounded by burners. So there was a really cool art car movement that started a few years back. Met that whole group of people through Secret Society Wednesdays. Got to see the birth of Heavy Meta, the art car dragon, and then Tarna, the jackalope, and then other sub subsequent little mutant art car vehicles that popped up and they started throwing their own kind of bespoke underground events that would pop up all around the city and they were like pretty mega productions. I know some of these events like they're having upwards to like seven, eight hundred people, which is so amazing for a clubless organization and they would pull off really amazing locations when they did it too and they just naturally pulled out the most creative most expressive most fun loving folks and that's when I started to really mingle and meet like contortionists fire throwers Koi, Hoopers, you name it, like stilt walkers. There's so much talent in Toronto, especially around like circus performance acts. And I always thought to myself like, wow, if only there was like a, a talent agency to represent this roundup of awesomeness because Toronto definitely has so much to offer that 
people need to hear about it more. That's a very interesting thought there because it's true. If there was some kind of agency that just took care of all of these creative entertainers and they were ready to go on a platform. hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing, all these creative, fun, artsy, expressed individuals taught me is that I think I had this preconceived notion when I was younger growing up thinking that like oh once I hit a certain age I can't wear that anymore or like oh I better enjoy this now while I'm young because when I hit this age can't be wearing that anymore or that's not appropriate that age it's all lies. <laughs> yeah. It's all lies. And I think the the biggest thing that I've gotten out of connecting with the underground scene and the creative performance community is to honor your true expression, your own unique aesthetic, your own unique style. That's the biggest thing that I hang on to with Top Collective. Like over the years, I've made a lot of the pieces that I sell, but I also curate and sell other people's designs as well. And I think it's really important that everyone has the opportunity to pick something that's unique to them. So I only like to have one of everything. I only make one of something. Even if I curate something, I I will only curate one of it because I think everyone deserves to have their own true unique expression as opposed to, you know, these businesses that are selling like a hundred plus units of one item, right? Yeah. No, I agree. And as you were saying that, like, why do I have to stop expressing myself through fashion because I'm a certain age? If anything, it should be more of your evolution of your style or taste. And I think just as long as you're truly expressing yourself and this is like representative of how you're feeling in the moment, like maybe one day you want to wear that tutu, you wear that tutu or whatever, if you're going to an event, you know, and that's where I think these subcultures and communities reminds us that it's all expressive of like who you are and it's okay to wear whatever you want. It's It's just an extension of who you are and your personality and maybe your creativeness from within, not just like, okay, now I have to be reserved and wear a pen that blouse up to here. (laughs) You know, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it's always fun. Like when I get to meet people at the pop-up shop at the stand at events, people know what they like, what they naturally gravitate to. Sometimes I have to help people past that kind of block or that barrier that they feel fear of being too flashy or too daring. Yeah. But nine times out of 10, if they're brave enough to put it on or try it, they'll see like, oh, wait a second. I can't, yeah. Help, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those pieces that in the moment it in it enhances their experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you got got a little top up of something that's drastically kind of changed the look and the vibe. And I love hearing from people like in the days after where they realize like, oh, I can actually wear this on the street. And like, oh, I can wear this beyond just the party. And that's definitely the goal. The goal is to help people find these unique pieces that accentuate their personality and their aesthetic that can be worn beyond just party. Exactly. And you know, 
So festival pop-up fashion has become such an important piece to the underground events puzzle over the years. So how would you say that the pop-up fashion vendors have become an important element of any event? Like I think, like you just said, these people come dressed for the, the party in what they're wearing, but then it's like you vendors almost accelerate their experience by being like, oh, what about these sunglasses or put this jacket on or, you know, tell me, how does that go totally. for you? <laughs> and there are a couple of summers where I would doing events Friday, Saturday, Sunday, week after week, right? So it is a bit of a blur. But one thing is for sure, every time I would pop up, I would have my regulars come. And it was kind of like that pit stop where they know they were safe, where they can come and mingle with me and get an energy boost, try (laughs) something on that maybe they felt like their outfit was missing or just creating like a really fun, memorable interaction. I was super passionate about bringing out gemstones too, because I love talking about crystals and gemstones and how they work. So it was pretty fun, like the different range of collections that I would put together for different events and how that would change the conversation. And I think a lot of people, when they go to events, they they love meeting other people and they love having those um, memorable experiences. And I find like the pop-up artisans when they're there, like they have those beautiful moments with festival goers or party goers, right? And if they do decide to go home with like a treasure, it further enhances the memory of that experience in that moment. So I think a lot of promoters and festival organizers realize that having the pop-up shops, although it may not be as lucrative as food vendors, it contributes to the vibe. It's part of what people get to interact with. And it's part of like the memory and the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've worked with various festivals which have had their hippie markets such as festival and electric island and where you know I've, I've been seeing you over the years <laughs> and it does it adds a special little something to the party you know not just coming in and being at stage all day but like oh you know what let's go take a look and see what gems we can find and of course just like interacting and creating this nostalgic memory so when they come home and they they have that little like gemstone or something they like associate that with your brand and that day and how much fun they have so it's just like a cycle of like good vibes. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. I'm really happy that festivals and promoters are open to having you know different pop up shop vendors because mm-hmm. I think it really does contribute. It does to the whole vibe. So you mentioned to me that you've made a big shift over the last three to four years with going to more of a hands-off creativity to a more digital realm. Can you share with us a little bit more about this? Yeah, totally. Actually, even all the way back to my time in Italy when I was first vending there, I had it in the back of my mind that I would like to pursue the tech industry. I was very curious about it. And having done graphic design, I wondered, okay, like I'm not, I didn't have an interest in code or anything like that, but I definitely had an interest in the way things were changing, the way we were operating online and how things are developing at a rapid pace. So I took it upon myself after going to school way too many times (laughs) to sort of self-study and learn about e-commerce 
And uh, so I spent the last few years working in e-commerce. My most recent job was managing West clothing, which is more like men's luxury streetwear. And that's when I, uh, I took an operations background, which when I first came back to Toronto, I worked for an app company called Joystap and I was working as an operations specialist for them. So took that kind of operations background and the social media and graphic design and started focusing on e-commerce. And what's wild is with COVID and how everything has changed in the world and the way that we do business, everyone's been forced online. But something that I realized as a vendor myself and as a creator myself is that what you think your online business should be isn't necessarily the business that will work. And there's so much technology out there, so many different apps, tools, and softwares and platforms that there's so many alternative ways of creating business online that sometimes the overwhelm that a lot of us artists and designers can feel and the procrastination we can feel is actually not having all the answers about what to do online and how. So it's been interesting. For two years now, I did a e-commerce boot camp through Top Collective, where basically I just offered the first time we did an eight-week course where we discussed all the different platforms, live streaming specific topics about different areas of business like shipping and marketing and advertising and Every topic definitely was juicy and inspiring to come together and talk about that it led me to consider again, okay, maybe we need to create shorter courses that like help people catapult online in the right direction. So now I am slowly working on putting together some programs and some different teams of agencies to be able to help businesses solve their problems and get online and do it in a way that'll actually work for them Mm -hmm. and their lifestyle. So starting in the fall, I'm going to be launching another small business where I'm going to be coaching and consulting for online business strategies. Nice. That's so incredible. You're, you're always, it seems like you're always um, evolving yourself. It sounds like, you know, you're like, I've been to school so many times, but like, it's because you're realizing, no, I want to do this. And now how do I get there? So educate yourself, you know? And I think that's so great. And it's never too late to (laughs) just take a course to go back to school. And I mean, you're curating these online opportunities for other people to grow, you know, where you are in your career, now you're able to kind of give back and come full circle and it's become a passion of yours. And it's really amazing that now you're able to create these online courses to help other up and coming artists and designers for the more digital e-commerce world, which is where the direction, you know, from live pop-up vendors is going to a more digital realm. It's another option instead of always having to, you know, be on site in a ever-changing world, you know, especially with the kind of year we've had with no events. So you kind of have to shift and evolve into, you know, okay, then what's the next solution? So I think e-commerce and digital pop-ups is kind of where it's at. And so I think that's really great that you're going to be offering that. Is there going to be a name for this or, you know, and it's still percolating. Okay. Okay. So when that happens, you send me the information and we'll definitely give it a share on Moosefy Collective so everyone can, you know, check it out if they're interested. <laughs> of course. Always here to support. Um, so yeah, I want to know 
you know, if you maybe want to give a shout out to maybe a couple of muses in your life and, you know, tell us a little bit about them, just a little quick shout out. I like to share the muse love. (laughs) Yeah. I have a couple of people that inspire me a lot that I've discovered on Instagram. Uh, One is Miss uh, Maverick Muse. And what I love about her is she does these really cool videos on TikTok and Instagram where she shows how she's putting together this like iconic look. And she just really has nailed becoming this iconic content creator, very old school Hollywood vibes. She's extremely inspiring. She always reminds me that like, hey, throw a wig on and transform yourself and channel whatever character you want. So especially uh, when it comes to my more performance fashion side, she's super inspiring. And another amazing uh, inspirational woman is Oretta on Instagram. She was a mystery to me. I was like, who's this fabulous woman who always has like the most epic looks and she's constantly in another place on the planet. So she's actually like a super independent woman who like runs her own business. She does like, I'm not a hundred percent what all she does within her world of business, but she's crushing it. She works with a lot of fashion companies more on like the marketing side. And she just announced that she has reached her goal of traveling to a hundred countries before hitting the age of 40. And again, it's just, she is an amazing example of like a solid independent woman who's just like done her own thing and is like very sweet and feminine and humble about it too. But it's funny because I also get inspired by people who haven't done such a good job, who are like very transparent about their fails. So I am really super inspired by Sofia Amoroso, who started Gal and the way that she got it started, her failures in between, the way she created this huge company, the way that it fell apart. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And also also like Shoddy Lynn of Dolls Kill. These women, they have created brands that are thriving off of that rave culture. Also another, well, better example of not a fail. The reason why I would say Dolls Kill is a little bit of a fail is just because they sold out a little bit, got a little too commercial, a little bit too cheap in the production of their products. I think they were more focused on um, like hitting the financial target, but you've got brands like Misbehave out of Poland, which is totally clubwear rave inspired. And they are doing couture runways and they're up there in fashion weeks around the world brushing shoulders with like Chloe and Dolce and Cabana. So (laughs) it's cool that I think that rave culture, the party culture, but specifically electronic music rave culture is trickling up aesthetically to influencing people and the way that they dress and it becoming a little bit more of a mainstream aesthetic. Thank you for sharing. I think it's so interesting to hear this side of things because I don't think it's something that I'm I'm necessarily really paying attention to, attention to but I will say I, I did 
purchase Sophia Amoroso's book. Oh my gosh. What's oh, it? Girl Boss. Yeah, Girl Boss. That's the yeah. one. I was like, I loved it. But like, <laughs> so that, and I followed her story a little bit and it was very inspiring to see her origin story, how it all like, you know, was super successful and then, you know, went bankrupt and this and this and this. And now she's got this whole like Girl Boss brand empire happening. It's so cool. And, you know, it is inspiring and it's really um, refreshing when women also share their failures so that they show you that no, not everything is perfect. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to get up from your failures and keep pushing through and, you know, everything will align in divine timing. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to get to the follow your bliss finale question now. Can you share with us one positive affirmation or any life advice you'd like to pass along? Uh, What you seek is seeking you. Yeah, I like that one. I love that one. What you seek is seeking you. And also too, I'm really excited about this next chapter in my life of supporting um, not only other businesses and other entrepreneurs, but also the talented individuals that can support those businesses, whether it's their marketing flex or whether they're a developer, whether they're a coder or product photographer. I'm really excited for this wave of abundance to ripple through where everyone wins. So helping people to solve their problems with their business or helping people to get started with their business. So everything from like the little guy right through to the big company that just doesn't want to focus on shipping and dispatching and all Mm -hmm. this. I'm really excited at this idea of creating like an a collective wave of abundance. So that's what I'm calling it. That's so great. I love it. And you know, you have a beautiful vibe, energy to you. Every time I see you, I always like run into you in the street. (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, Camille, hi. And we chit chat. Yeah. We're this like cyclical, like cycle of running into each other. It's always a pleasure. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and your inspiration. And I can't wait to see what's next for you and when all of this launches in the fall. So we'll be sure to share that on our socials for you because let's share it. Let's share it. Thank you, babe. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here today, Camille. And everyone, I will link all of her online platforms for you in the episode. And Camille, have a beautiful day and we'll talk soon. <laughs> Love you. Love you.